Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Good to be with you. Good to see you again. It's always good to come home because this is my home church because God used me to establish or plant the church. And it's great to see how God is moving and God is working and how God is using the current leadership. So we're in our series called Closer. And uh, today I'm going to speak to you about true worship. I don't know about you, but I've certainly discovered the longer that we walk with God, the more we want to be closer to God. Isn't that right? And that should actually be a natural desire, an outflow of our relationship with God. Just think, just think about it on a human level. The more you get to know somebody, the more you want to know that particular person. Amen? And you know it's possible. It's possible to have an experience that's deeper, closer, and more intimate with God. The Bible's got lots of examples of people who actually experience that. And those stories aren't just there to be stories. They are there as an example to encourage us so that we can also do just that. And that is to have a deeper, closer, and more intimate relationship with God. So let's look at some. The first one I want to look at is in Genesis 9, or rather 6 verse 9. And I'm just uh, going to share from the New Living Translation. This is the history of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless man living at that time on earth. He consistently followed God's will and enjoyed a closer relationship or a close relationship with him. All right. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take that. I'm going to use this. I'm going to shift it. And somehow we're going to get through this without having a bad ex sound experience. Okay. You know why he had a close relationship with God? Because he consistently followed God's will. Now, we can say that the hallmark of Noah's life was this, consistently following God's will. And he was obedient to God's desires. Then let's just look at David. Uh, in Acts 13, 22, it says that when he had re removed him, that's talking about King Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom he also gave this testimony and said, I found Jesse, uh, or David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. What? What a testimony. A man after my own heart. Why? Who will do all my will. And again, the distinguishing factor is not only to obey, but to fulfill all of God's will. Drawing closer to God then requires a desire to seek, to carry out his wishes as if they were our own. We take God's heart's desire and we make them our own heart's desires. That's what we see both in these examples of Noah and David. So I have a question. I want you to think about it. How can we say that we love God? How can we say we want to be closer and more intimate with God when we don't even desire to seek to fulfill all his will? So many of us want God on our terms, want God's blessing 
but we don't really have that inward desire to seek to fulfill all of God's will within our lives. What a brilliant production, if you want to call it that, of these two lovely ladies who shared with us the word, the spoken word. Kind of like stole my thunder. But I'm going to ask you that question anyway. When the word worship is mentioned, what comes to your mind? The singing of songs? Well, I trust that as we look at the word of God this morning, that we will see that it's more than just singing songs. And hopefully that we will be opening our minds to the Holy Spirit to kind of redirect the way that we think about worship. You see, true worship is an encounter with the living God. It's experiencing God. It's praising God and making an offering to God. Expressing our love to God through our obedience to God, no matter how much the cost will be to us. And so we see this in the life of Abraham, and we're going to look at that because that's the very first place in the Bible where you encounter this word worship in the life of Abraham. And so it's also where we find a biblical definition of the word worship. And so I want us to go to uh, Genesis 22 verse 5, where Abram said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship. Now we know what really happened because we have the Bible and we know the complete story. But let me tell you that Abram didn't go yonder with Isaac to sing some songs. He went up there to put his most treasured possession in his life to death, simply because God asked him to do it. And so you can see that worship then is a life of obedience. A life of obedience. Worship is the oldest practice in the history of mankind. There's no culture in history which has not practiced some form of worship. Why? Because we were created to worship. We are created to worship. And the essence of worship can be found in the Ten Commandments. And we're going to look at the very first one here in Exodus 20 verse 3. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. And that statement teaches us three vital truths about worship. Firstly, we worship God because he is God. And that really stands against atheism. Atheist says, I don't believe in God. But you see, we worship God because he, there is a God and he alone is God. The first commandment is first because God's revelation and man's response is foundational to everything else. Without God's revelation to us and without response to him, there's no real meaning to anything else. And so it requires that all our service and all our acts of worship that we tender to the true and living God is, uh, you know, uh, done with utmost sincerity, reverence and devotion. And then we look here and we see that God alone is worthy to receive worship which forbids idolatry, okay? And I've just shared with you what I really think about that, that we do those things with utmost reverence and sincerity and devotion. 
And then thirdly, there's only one God, maker of heaven and earth. Anything or anyone else claiming to be a God is actually a disgrace. You see, when we give our fullest attention or allegiance to anything or anyone else other than God, we are worshiping something that is false. And since God is the object of our worship, he and he alone have the right to tell us how to worship him. And so as we saw in the life of Abraham, true worship is an encounter with the living God, experiencing God. It's making an offering to God. It's being obedient to God just because he asks us to do it no matter what the cost is going to be to us. And so true worship, in other words, then is defined by priority, the priority that we place on God. Where is God in our life? And where is God in our priorities in life? That's really what true worship is, okay? It's a response to God where we begin to move in God's direction. Not asking God to move in our directions, where we turn to Him, not because we want to, uh, God to give us something, but it's because we want to give something to God. You see, worship is responding to God and it includes making an offering to Him. So when we worship God, we worship Him, we respond to Him by offering to Him freely what He has allowed us to give. Now you might have a question in your mind, what is that? We can give God our love, we can give God our devotion, we can give God our praise, we can give God our submission, we can give God our uh, commitment, we can give God our service. And you heard of a wonderful opportunity here today. And I want to encourage you to think about that. Maybe you can give God your service in sponsoring someone in a distant land. See, all of these things are worship, all right? God is truly worshipped when we choose to offer to God what he asks us to give. And we can do that. You can give God your love through the Holy Spirit. You can give God through the Holy Spirit who will empower you to do those things. So true worship is a matter of your heart, expressed through a lifestyle of holiness. Worship means, do you know what the word worship means? It means to give honor, homage, reverence, respect, adoration, praise or glory to a superior being. God alone is the only being that truly deserves worship. And he requests that we acknowledge his greatness and his power and his glory. And in Revelation 4 verse 11, we find these words, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. If it wasn't for God, we wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for God, we would have nothing. If it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have the very life that we have, according to that scripture that we've just read. And so the New Testament Greek word that is translated into English as worship is the word proskuneo, okay? And it really means to fall down before or to bow down before. And we find a biblical reference in Leviticus of this particular thing where Aaron celebrated his first act of worship as the anointed high priest. And so he meticulously uh, follows the required order of sacrifices and does that. 
And the Bible tells us that when he did that, the glory of God miraculously appeared in that place. And we see this here in Leviticus 9.24. It says, fire came down out from the presence of the Lord, consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions that were on the altar. And when the people saw this, the Bible says, they shouted with joy and fell down on the ground. You see, here is the fundamental paradigm in biblical worship bowing down before the Lord in response to his glorious self-revelation. You see, it's an act of reverence in which we lower ourselves in humility. We make ourselves nothing so that God can become everything. Let me remind you, the scripture tells us, I must decrease and he must increase. Okay. So often we forget that. We forget that. You see, so it's a gesture of total submission in where we say, Lord, you're the king. You're the king of kings. We say it so easily. You're the king of kings. And I am your servant, your humble servant. You see, biblical worship is a complete devotion of oneself to God. It's offering more than my praise, however well intended. The multifaceted nature of God requires a diverse response in worship. Why? Because God is a mighty king. We worship him in humble submission. See, unfortunately in our modern life, we don't really understand what it means when we say, Jesus, you're the king. Biblical times, the king's word was law. You dare not disobey that word. And we so glibly say, Jesus, you're the king of kings. And we don't understand the submission that it requires. So when we worship him as the mighty king, we're actually offering our submission, our humble submission. See, when God is holy, because he's holy, we worship with reverent awe. And sometimes, you know, we come into God's presence so like God's my big buddy. Instead of realizing that he is the creator of everything. And he is due my respect because God has saved us. We worship with exuberant thanksgiving because we need to be thankful for being saved from sin. Because God is forgiving, we worship by confessing our sins. See, because without the confession of our sins, we can't experience that forgiveness because sin stops us, hinders us in our walk with him. Because God is our loving father, we worship with heartfelt adoration never mind what your experience was with your earthly father you have a heavenly father who is perfect in every way and so you can adore him from the depth of your heart now whether we actually bow down in worship or not the core of our worship should be in humble submission of ourselves to god our hearts and our bodies are connected you see what we do with our bodies I want to tell you, impacts our hearts. And our, it's vice versa. What, what we do in our hearts impacts our bodies. And though it's possible to worship God with ever even falling down or bowing down, the most important thing in worship is that you offer yourself humbly. We don't come into God's presence arrogantly, full of ourselves. We come into his presence humbly, humbly. That's how we come to God. 
Yes, your heart matters most, but no matter what I might think with my mind, feel with my heart, express with my lips, when I put my whole body into communicating with something, I'm engaged more completely. And so often when we come into worship, we have this attitude, I'm not gonna lift my hands, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna see. And yet when we engage with our entire body, when we come into the presence of God, forgetting everything that's around us, forgetting about the things that irritate us, and we just get engaged, I wanna tell you that gesture of worship will lead you even deeper into a more heartfelt worship. So often we come into the worship and we think, eh, that didn't touch me. You know why it didn't touch you? Because you didn't engage. You wanna get closer to God? Engage. See, worship involves all that we are, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we should seek to worship God with all our being, holding nothing back. So often we come with our reservations. Instead of saying, God, I'm here. I'm abandoning myself into your love, into your presence through this act of worship this morning. You see, as we worship, we exercise our minds. We think on God. We shouldn't be thinking about the things that irritate us. Our wills, because I'm back again to offer myself to him. Our emotions, where we open up our hearts, Lord, here's my heart, search me. Search me, touch me, redirect me. Our bodies, as we follow the biblical imperatives to praise, to sing, to shout, to clap, to kneel, to bow, to dance, to play instruments, and to lift up our hands. That's what the Bible says. That's how we should worship God. And as we offer all that we are in worship, we are transformed with that encounter that we have with the living God. And we experience repentance because you cannot come into God's presence and not be affected. We experience repentance, we experience forgiveness, renewal, healing, and empowerment for service. You see, worship is a state of attitude or an attitude of spirit. And the nature of worship is from the inside out, as you heard this morning. It's not something from the outside in, it's from the inside out. And there's two equal parts. And we're going to look at that quickly in John chapter 4, verse 23, 24, my favorite verses in the Bible. And I think I've shared with you before, I've got a drawing of a very old corrugated iron church that's situated in Burgville with these little words underneath. But the hour cometh and now is. It's in my study to remind me every day. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers will worship him, the Father, in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You see, from a New Testament perspective, acceptable worship is only possible through a revelation and redemption of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now that means I need to acknowledge his death. I need to acknowledge his resurrection. I need to acknowledge his ascension. I need to acknowledge that he has given that gift of the person of the Holy Spirit. That's the reality. That's the reality for me to be able to worship. See, worshiping in the Spirit has to do with our innermost being. And it requires certain things. And the most important thing is that we worship God in spirit 
that's in our hearts and in truth that's with our minds. And so let's look at those two components just for a few moments. Worshiping in spirit. To worship God in spirit, we need to be born again. We need to be born again. You see, religion and religious practices can never bring you to a place of having a right relationship with God or to enable you to please God. God has to rescue us from the darkness of ignorance and the corruption of sin. You see, so often when we don't have a revelation of that light, we are still walking in darkness and we're doing things in the flesh for the flesh. That's why we need to be born again. Without being born again, we cannot be connected with God. You see why? Because I want to tell you, we've got to be plucked out of that state to be brought into a place where we have a true knowledge of God and we can then worship God in the way that we need to, which is acceptable to God. Redemption and revelation are the basis of acceptable worship in biblical thinking. Worship and God's covenants are closely linked in Scripture. And Jesus Christ is at the center of New Testament thinking about worship. He's the ultimate meeting place between heaven and earth. He's the only way in which we can be reconciled to God is through Jesus Christ. And so fundamentally, then worship in the New Testament thinking means believing the gospel and responding with one's whole life and being to the person and the work of God's Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? Can I throw this in? Because so often you'll hear people say, I believe Jesus was a good man or he's a prophet. But you see, when you have that revelation, you know that he's not just a good man and he's more than a prophet. He is the son of the living God. He is the Christ, the one who has redeemed us. You see, let me just come back here in talking about the Holy Spirit. I want to just lay three things here. I haven't put the scriptures on the screen, but I'll give you reference and it's your homework when you go home. You can quickly look at it. Okay. Firstly, without the Holy Spirit residing within us, we cannot respond to God in worship because we don't really know God. That word know in the Greek talks about experiencing God. We can have knowledge about God, but without the Holy Spirit, you can read it for yourself in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 11 and 12, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Secondly, worshiping in the Spirit requires a mind centered on God, renewed through and in the Word of God, according to the way that Paul writes to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And then just thirdly, worshiping in the Spirit requires a pure heart, and a clear conscience toward God, according to Psalm 24. See, praise and worship towards God cannot come from a polluted heart. It cannot come from a heart that's polluted. That's why David cries out in Psalm 51. And he says to God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Why? because he knew that having a polluted heart, a heart that wasn't right, will keep him from God's presence. 
You see, and when we're born again, we should hunger and long to spend as much time as possible in the presence of God. And so it's very important then that we open our hearts and allow God to do the work that he needs to do when we come in worship before God. And that doesn't necessarily just mean in a Sunday service. It can happen in your home. It can happen in your quiet time. But it's opening my heart and really connecting with God as I worship him. See, so often in our mindset and our thinking, we think that worship is only something that we do for 10, 15, 20 minutes in a service. And so let's look at the second part, worshiping in truth. All worship is a response to truth. And that truth is the truth that is contained in the word of God. Jesus in John 17 said these words to the Father. He said, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. You see, worship is an expression of praise from the depth of our hearts towards a God who is understood through his word. It's not knowing God according to what, how I want to know God or how I want to experience God or how, what I think or what I want or what I make up. And so often we do. We formulate a God after our own desire. And so I want to ask you this question then. If we don't have the truth, we don't know God, and if we don't know God according to his word, how can we truly be worshipping God? And then I just want to close with some remarks as we come to the end of our service this morning. Why should we worship? Because worship is a matter of great importance. And false worship leads to dire consequences. God doesn't need our worship for him to be complete. God is complete in himself. So whether we worship him or not, it's not going to make any difference to who God is. God's not some egotistical person up there wanting us to worship him so that he can be complete. That's our problem because of our fallen state. We want to be admired. We want to be worshipped. You see? And so it's important for us to understand that that fallen state separates us from God. And then on the other hand, worship draws us closer to God. And we also know worship is something that we owe to God, as we saw in the book of Revelation. And in worshiping God cheerfully and in a way that's pleasing to him, do you know what happens in that moment? We are participating in the life of heaven briefly. Because the Bible tells us that God indwells the praises of his people. Now, collectively, when we come together in a service, if we are all having a right heart attitude, praising God, do you, don't you think that the fire of God might fall? Don't you think that some miracles might happen? Wow. I wonder if we'd fall to our knees and believe it's God if that had to happen in our service. Wouldn't you like a taste of heaven? I would. And once you've tasted, you want more and more and more. And the series is closer, closer, coming higher, getting closer to God. Amen.
And so when we worship God, we develop traits such as, oh, hang on, let me come back here. When, when you see, our worship is not only honoring and magnifying God, it also uh, is for our own edification and to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, the Bible says. You see, worship helps us develop God-like and Christ-like character. You know, it's true. We become like those that we admire and worship. If you worship somebody, it could be a rapper, and the next thing you're rapping, you got your head, uh, the hat back to front, you know, and if your rapper does a jingle, you do a jingle. If a rapper lays slow in his car, you're laying low in your car. You know, it's just natural. See, we, we take on the characteristics of, of who we admire. You see, and so when we, when we come to God, all right, we worship God. When we're worshiping God, we tend to value what God values and gradually take on his characteristics and take on the qualities of God, but never to that level. So when we worship God, we develop traits such as forgiveness because God is a forgiving God. We worship tenderness because God is tender. We worship God and justice becomes part of our lifestyle because we serve a just God. We become merciful because our God is a merciful God. We begin to have purity and kindness because God is pure, God is holy, God is kind. And we begin to have love because God is love. See, so the more we worship Him, the more we become like Him. An acceptable worship means relating to God or engaging on God on terms that He proposes in a manner that He alone makes possible. And such involves honoring God and serving God and respecting God by abandoning loyalty or devotion to anything else that stops us from having an exclusive God, a relationship, an exclusive relationship with God. See, we saw there that God is seeking worshipers, true worshipers. And it's only in the word of God that we can learn what worship is pleasing to God, but thank God in his wisdom, he made available practices and certain uh, principles in the word that will guide us in our worship of him. I want to say this, and don't be offended. Worship is not an occasion to hear sermons about us. Worship is not singing songs about us. Worship is not doing things that focus on how to make me feel comfortable, make me feel happy, make me feel inspired. And we do want to be inspired, okay? And the reason why I say that is since we are prone to make idols of ourselves. Now, you might not agree with me, but I, we do. We tend to idolize ourselves to the extent that we don't even realize that, that when we go to the wall and we look at the mirror on the wall, we spend more time on the physical mirror on the wall than we do on the spiritual mirror in the Word of God. You see, because when we get into the Word of God, beholding Him, we are translated, transformed, regenerated, renewed through the power of the Holy Spirit as this word works in us. 
And that's why God wants us to be so involved in the word. See, true worship is an important time for us to redirect our hearts, our minds, our will and our strength back to God. And so hopefully after this message, we will see that worship is more than just the singing of songs and see it as a lifestyle of obedience that delights in making God's desires our desires, that delights in fulfilling all his will. We saw that in the scriptures that we looked at. And don't you want to have that kind of destiny? I saw David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Why? Because he would do all my will. Hmm. Now, I want to just say that as we make God's desires our desires, it might include the singing of songs. I'm not saying it excludes that. Songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. We sang a song here this morning, Jesus at the center of it all. Lovely. I hope you really took to heart those words and put meaning to it. But I wrote a little song down here called The Heart of Worship, and you might be familiar with it. And in that song it says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. But I love this line, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. And maybe you've made worship something other than perhaps what we've been exposed to this morning in the Word of God. And I trust in your heart, you also will say, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, because it's all about you. It's all about you. I'm coming back. And if we want to truly worship God, we need to come back, redirect the way we look at things, be challenged in our thinking, and be open and willing to admit where we're wrong and ask God by the Holy Spirit to help us live a lifestyle that really embraces his teachings, that's pleasing to him, and that really brings us into that place of being closer with him. Amen. Amen. Let me just pray with you. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. And Holy Spirit, will you take the seed that has been sown? Will you water it? Will you bring it to life? Will you give it essence in the life of everyone that has gladly, openly received it this morning, that our lives truly may be changed, transformed, to be examples of people who really are committed in total worship to the living God, the only God, the true God, in Jesus' name. Amen.